welcome to Writing in Faith, a podcast about the Christian and writing life. I'm your host, Daniel Didek, and today we're going to be looking at character building. For us as Christians, building up our character in Christ. For writers, we're going to be taking a look at Brandon Sanderson's character sliders as we look to develop the characters in our stories and also ensure that they have an arc, that they are not the same person at the end of the story that they are at the beginning. It may not be as hard as you think. So this week, actually some really exciting news I'm going to get to in a second, but I also wanted to do two things kind of more along the devotional lines, two updates. The first thing was a couple weeks back, we were talking about Paul becoming all things to all men, specifically the example of becoming like a Jew to win the Jews. And as I was doing my evening readings in the Bible, I came across this passage. It's from Acts chapter 16. And this is verses three and four. I thought this was really fascinating that this is something that happened. It said, in deference to the Jews of the area, he, Paul, arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left. For everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. And what's really interesting about that is the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem had been regarding a teaching that had been going around that wasn't from them that said that Greeks, in order to become saved, had to be circumcised. And so they literally circumcised Timothy because his father had been a Greek and then went around telling people, you don't have to be circumcised to be saved. And this is interesting because we might say, you know, in trying to live out our freedom in Christ, well, I don't have to follow this law or ritual anymore because I have freedom in Christ. And we don't really worry about how that might look to the outside world. But by doing this, by Timothy being circumcised, it takes away any sort of bias. Like if he had not been circumcised, and he's going around telling people, you don't have to be circumcised to be saved. He has an investment in that teaching, right? Like he's trying to teach that because he doesn't want to have to go through that procedure, which obviously when you're older is a lot more painful than when you're very, very young. But by doing that, then all of a sudden it takes away that bias. And for Paul too, Paul, you know, they could say, oh, Paul, you're just saying that because of your love for Timothy and you don't want him to have to go through that. And so it's interesting to me that that was something that happened. The other thing was actually in regards to last week's devotion where I had said about, you know, now after Christ's death and resurrection and now that we believers have the Holy Spirit living inside us, that understanding comes before obedience. And I want to kind of clarify a bit there that I'm not talking about. There's There are going to be times where God's going to ask you to do something. You'll be in prayer or in study or whatever it is, and he's going to say, I need you to go do this, and you're not going to understand why he wants you to do that. And that is different from what I had been talking about. So there are those individual moments where you're like, God, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why you're telling me to do this. I don't know why you know the job I wanted didn't come through or, or why I was let go from this job that I thought was my calling in life. Things like that are going to happen. What we're talking about with understanding coming before obedience is more of the idea that you understand to trust God. You understand that he is faithful before you're going to be able to enter into those times of trust with any like really consistent obedience. Does that make sense? So it's like because you understand the nature of God and you know that you can trust him, it is then made easier to trust him even when he tells you to do something that you don't understand specifically. So the understanding that I was getting at was more of like a broad general 
understanding of the goodness of his commands and that we should follow a specific command or a specific instruction of why something is wrong or why something is not wrong as a general kind of law of God, we could say. So I hope that makes sense and actually clarifies if you had any questions around that idea. Hopefully I didn't just make it worse. Uh, If I did, let me know. This brings me into the truly exciting update for this week. At least for me, I've been working on it for a couple weeks now, and I have a website, an official author website, danieldidek.com. By the time this goes live, you'll be able to go there, and there's a bunch of stuff you can do. You can purchase my books from the website. They are a little bit cheaper than you can find them on Amazon, at least the trade paperback versions. If you want the Kindle version, you'll still get that straight from Amazon. But if you order the paperback through the website, I'm actually the one shipping it to you. So every single one of them will come signed by me. So you can get that. You'll be able to sign up for a newsletter. When you do that, you're going to get an introductory thank you for joining uh, letter. And with it comes a free short story that's based out of Buring, which is the country for uh, book one by Ways Unseen. Kind of gives you a tiny little glimpse into part of the history of Hewolux specifically. And these things are going to keep coming out. I'm going to try probably to do a newsletter once a month, more than likely with my schedule and things being what they're going to be. It's the newsletter is going to come out more when there's something new for you to do, like cover reveals. So if you're subscribed to the newsletter, you're going to get early cover reveals. You're going to get early notification of pre-orders or sales that are coming up. So you'll be able to get a jump start on that and order those things if you want them. And then whenever I have another one ready, I have a whole series of these short stories planned out. Again, I'm going to try to do those once a month. If I manage to pull that off, then you'll get a free short story as well as updates that you won't find here on the podcast or on social media or any of those places like this. I want the newsletter to be special for you guys that go to the website that sign up. You're going to get some stuff that other people don't normally get. So that's what's exciting to me. Uh, Like I said, I've been spending a lot of time on it and it looks pretty cool, I think. So you'll be able to go there and contact me through there. You'll be able to leave some comments on things if you want. You will be able to access this podcast actually through there. So that's what's happened this week. Look forward to that. Look forward to seeing you guys there. Stop by, check it out, see what you think. And let's get into today's actual lesson. I'm actually, I'm really excited about this one too. So I feel like I've been getting excited about every one of them, but the last couple have been really special for me. So hope you guys have liked it as well. And today, as I mentioned, we're talking about character building. We've been spending a lot of time lately in Paul's letters which honestly can be hard not to do since he wrote most of the New Testament epistles, actually most of the New Testament entirely, but especially the epistles. So today, though, we get to change it up and we're looking at the second letter from the Apostle Peter. So in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9, we read this. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So what we're talking about today is the idea of character. When you hear that word, what do you think of? We might think of the part an actor plays. We might think of a unique individual, someone about whom we might mutter, oh, he's a character, in a way that indicates almost a caricature, right? 
Someone maybe larger than life or ostentatious, someone who stands out. We might also think about someone of integrity, that someone who has character is one that you can depend on. Whether that dependency is that they will keep their word, or maybe just meaning that you can almost predict how they will act because they are so consistent in their interactions with people and the world around them. There are a number of fascinating and helpful definitions in the dictionary on the word character, but I want to pull out this particular one for today's discussion. Merriam-Webster defines character in one manner as this that it is the main or essential nature, especially as strongly marked and serving to distinguish. When we talk about developing our own characters, and later when we talk about building and growing the characters we write in our books, this is probably the best definition we can use. What is it about us that is our main or essential nature, especially as it distinguishes us? We know from Jesus' words in John chapter 13, verse 35, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. As followers of Christ, it is him and his nature and his change in our lives that should distinguish us, that becomes our main or essential nature, is it not? Notice then the end of Peter's list as compared to what Jesus said. In both, the final nature of us as Christians should be that we love. That is not necessarily easy to do, especially if we don't define it. We will do an entire podcast on this topic because I so rarely see people define what love is as they stridently exhort us to not judge people and just love them. For now, though, I want to focus on what Peter has laid out in today's verse as a sort of series of stepping stones. Once we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, as we talked about last week laying that foundation, we then must begin to grow into our new life in Christ. We've been told in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that if we are in Christ, we are a new creation. But we know also that this new creation is not yet complete. Even our passage here in 2 Peter tells us that. Rather, our spirit has been made new and is at war with the flesh against its wrong desires. Paul again tells us in Romans 12, verse 2, to be renewing our minds. Now, when we look at a list like this one from Peter, we need to understand that this isn't a one step at a time kind of list. We do not complete our faith, then when we're done, add goodness, and once our goodness is complete, we add knowledge, and so on. See, in verse 8, he says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, so we will continue to grow each of them even after we add them. Instead, if you try to add self-control when you don't have knowledge, I can almost promise you your efforts will fail. That's kind of what we talked about in the update in the intro of this episode. For one thing, we don't know what things to do or refrain from doing until we have faith, goodness, and knowledge first, at least in some measure. Once we have knowledge of something, we can begin to be self-controlled about it. As we practice self-control, we'll need to persevere as the enemy will attack us and try to get us to lose that control. As we persevere, we'll understand the tenacity of Christ to remain sinless and begin to live in godliness. As that godliness takes root, we'll cherish and appreciate those around us who also are of the faith, also practicing varying amounts of godliness and how refreshing those relationships are compared to what we had in the world. And as we grow in, understand, and covet that mutual affection, we will so strongly desire to spread that affection that everyone in the world might experience it and then we will love as God loves. So you see how you only need to begin with one thing. Build your faith in one area on one promise of God. As you build that faith, you can grow in goodness. Other translations say virtue, meaning essentially that if you live in the light of that promise, faithfully believing God to do as he says, that your actions out of that faith become a virtue or a moral excellence. To grow more faithful and virtuous to that promise is to expand your knowledge about it, and so on. As we build up each of these in increasing measure, Peter reminds us, it will keep us from being unfruitful or unproductive, because by doing so we are becoming more Christ-like and attuned to God's will for our lives. And he desires us to be fruitful, as Jesus reminds us in John chapter 15, verses 7 and 8, where he says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Sometimes we like to focus on the ask whatever you wish and it will be done, but notice in context it is related specifically to bearing fruit and proving ourselves to be Christ's disciples. Notice too how it relates to our Peter passage. The start of all of this is in faith. Faith in what? Our own desires? No, for we are to understand we have been given God's desires and have escaped the world and its evil desires. It is our faith in God's word and his promises that kick all this off and the seed from which we grow the crops of our character. Now built up from the foundation of Christ and through the nourishment of his living water and the sunlight of God's glory as we turn our eyes to him. As we do this, we will surely build our character, our essential natures, and we will most surely be distinguished by our beliefs and actions just as Christ was. In fact, you might even think of these things as sliders on a scale, similar to the equalizer on your radio. Our life song, as casting crowns might call it, or the volume of our message, you might say, is low at first. When people look at us and interact with us, our new life in Christ may not come across very loud or very clear. But as we begin to bump up these attributes, the volume gets louder and louder until our message cannot be ignored by anyone around us. This is much the same way that we as writers can think about the characters of our stories. The sliders for these characters can be much more simple, though, as we're about to see. For sure, they can be more complex, and maybe should, especially when we talk about our main characters. That'll be up for you to decide. For this discussion, though, we're going to take a page from Brandon Sanderson. If you didn't already know, Camera Panda on YouTube has recordings of all Brandon Sanderson's lectures for his class on fantasy writing at Brigham Young University from 2016. So aside from what we'll talk about here, I highly recommend all fantasy authors out there go and find that playlist. I'll probably add the link to the show description so it's easier for you to find. And set aside some time to watch the whole series. I reference his material a lot. Today, in particular, almost everything I talk about concerning character sliders is from the second lecture about being a cook versus a chef. So you can go on to YouTube, find that video, and find out more what it means to be a cook versus a chef. In the video, Sanderson presents three character sliders, though as I've mentioned, and I believe he does as well, you can have more or less or different specific ones. The three he presents are what he works with. The three are competence, likability, and proactivity. Let's talk for a bit about each of these three. First, competence. Readers like competent characters, by and large. Even completely bumbling characters like Get Smart or Johnny English still happen to stumble into a certain amount of competence. We also need to realize that competence can be had in a very narrow band. Jason Bourne is extremely competent in a fight. He is utterly incompetent in remembering history, right? At least at first. Even the example Sanderson gives that Sam Gamgee is hyper-competent at being loyal, maybe cooking up a brace of conies, even if his battle skills are incompetent or lucky. It's even his loyalty, really, to Frodo that makes him able to battle Shelob and the orcs. So when you're thinking about competency of your character, this doesn't mean the more they are like a superhero, the better character they will be. You can still make them as inexperienced as the story requires. But if you show even a teensy bit of competence in one super esoteric area, that's something the readers can attach to. The second one is likability. This one can definitely be hard. Sometimes the best we can do is think about why we like a certain character and build that into it. But here too, we need to think about what the story requires. Maybe you don't want them to be likable. 
and to a large degree, competency and proactivity can help make your character likable, so we'll need to pay attention to those sliders. Again, much like your radio equalizer, where nudging up one slider often affects a little bit the sliders right next to it, especially if you selected a preset arc. But maybe I should leave that analogy to others who actually run a soundboard. But even the worst villain can be hyper-competent, right? They probably should be, or they won't be much of a threat to our protagonist. But they ideally are still unlikable for whatever reason. But when you near the end of your story and want to make your villain three-dimensional, usually the likability slider will go up a little bit, at least, as readers sympathize for why the bad guy made the choices they made. The third one is proactivity. Readers tend to strongly dislike inactive characters. You can make this work for a little while if you absolutely need to, but the more that the plot gets thicker and thicker, if your protagonist especially continues to do nothing about it, readers will eventually throw your book away. This often turns into a bit of a trap, as the protagonist is supposed to not be engaged in the plot at the beginning of the story. It's not until the 20-25% to 25% mark that the main character finally leaves home, whatever that means for your particular story, and embarks on their journey. More about that in the coming weeks. One quick solution is to show them being proactive in something other than the plot. Show them desiring something and actively pursuing it. It may even be something that leads them away from the plot, making that decision to finally enter the quest that much more difficult. Once you've established these sliders for your character, you will need to consider in your plot which slider will move up or down by the end. Again, no reader wants a perfect superhero, so you don't want to move all of these sliders to the max. Depending on the story, you can certainly move more than one, Maybe your introverted, shy character, who is socially incompetent, begins proactively attending social functions and becomes more competent. If done properly, their competence, likability, and proactivity will all move up. Or maybe they go about it wrong, becoming just as shallow and insipid as the gossiping socialites whose parties they attend, and your more down-to-earth readers will like them less by the end of the story. But maybe by the very end, they suddenly realize all the dreams they've abandoned for no good reason, maintain their competence and proactivity, but by engaging the socialites and showing them a better way to live by being true to themselves, their likability will more likely skyrocket. You can also use these sliders a little more passively. Maybe a character isn't working for some reason you or your beta readers or critique partners can't quite identify. By considering these sliders at each main event of the plot, you might realize that you're inadvertently moving the wrong slider, or maybe they aren't moving at all, and you're creating a flat character. Realizing this, you can make some conscious decisions on how to make your character grow and what sort of scene or event can prompt that change. As I mentioned, Sanderson provides these three as good general sliders that tend to apply to any character. You can certainly create two or more competence sliders, as we've alluded to, so they grow in one competency while remaining flat in another, or, as our example with the wallflower, Maybe growing competence in social activity means a declining competence in remaining true to oneself. The main point remains the same. You need to always and forever first define your audience and the story you're trying to write. When you have that firmly in hand, you will more easily be able to make those decisions on if and how to make your characters grow and change. These sliders can just be an aid to help you stay on track, and that their competence, likability, or proactivity doesn't just wobble around with no purpose. Well, I hope this has been helpful in growing yourself in Christ and building strong characters in your stories. Remember to check out my website and drop a note on your thoughts. And don't forget to sign up for my newsletter to receive a free short story from Deep Enduring's past. Join me again next week as we take a deeper look at what it means to live in the kingdom of God. And also, we'll be talking a little bit about your author brand. So this one will be a talk more about the writing life than necessarily the craft of writing. Should be fun. Make sure to join us. Until then, keep the faith and keep writing.